0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTRadio.live. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Does comedy need saving from cancel culture? Probably. I think we all need saving from cancel culture. Our next guest certainly thinks comedy needs saving from cancel culture. Emilio Martinez is a producer, writer, and a comedian, at least that's what it says, on the primary ballot for his congressional run in California District 30, currently held by Adam Schiff. Emilio did indeed begin his career performing. Forming improv and sketch comedy with the likes of the groundlings and as a cast member in bob odenkirk's one-man stage show emilio is using his current projects to save comedy from cancel culture what the church a comedy web series and hashtag fake news show an unscripted sketch com based on the uh, The Herald are set to premiere on Lore.TV in January 2024. Welcome to the show, Emilio. So you think comedy needs saving from uh, cancel culture? I mean, we do have things like uh, what do you call it? Um, what's Tony Hinchcliffe's show? Uh, Kill Tony, Tony and uh, Joe Rogan Tony. and all those guys. Well, yeah, here's, a, Tony. here's I mean, a deal. They, they seem pretty edgy. So, do you think comedy really needs saving from cancel culture? Uh, Yeah, absolutely, because I think
2: COVID has taught us that, that you couldn't joke about COVID at all during COVID. Now you can make, now COVID is just a dad joke, you know? When I saw Saturday Night Live doing the, uh, oh, we're making fun of COVID, and, you know, COVID is just a cold jokes, I was like, oh, they've moved on from COVID, that, that wasn't like a bold statement that they were making because it, it was two years too late. Mm. You know, two years That's prior, true. they were they were shaking in their boots at home saying you need to stay home because, you know, and you need to get the vax. And if you don't have mm. a mask, you're killing grandma.
1: And are a fact, grandma the, killer. Yeah. Know, a, Jimmy hashtag door.
2: Fake, you, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Jimmy Dore. I I watch his
1: program a lot, and um, you know he's he's an awesome broadcaster. I think as well. He's got an astute voice in in the new media spectrum for sure. And he talks about all of his comedy friends, uh, uh, you know, turning turncoat on him or whatever it is, and uh, the fact that they refuse to make fun of COVID forever or call it out, call truth to power. I mean. A com a comedian's job really is to sort of say the unsayable. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: you know, it's like it's it's like when Dave Chappelle got in trouble for all the trans stuff with his Netflix special. You know, suddenly the cancel mob came out and tried to shut him down, and then the right thought, "Oh no! He, oh my gosh, he's waking up. He's like opening up to like the dangers of transism," and it was like, it, folks slow down he's he's not he's not a conservative he's not even a moderate dave chappelle is a hardcore leftist it's just as a comedian he just can't help but tell the truth comedians are like the kids at the table at the, the you know you'll see them on things on this christmas because they're the one that will going to be like making the commentary on the family dynamics you know like uh, how, is dad going to have some more medicine for christmas <laughs> Is dad going to bring out the shotgun to get it? shut up, Timmy? You know, he needs that for his headaches. You know, those mm. kids grew up to be comedians,
1: but they, cause they just, they
2: just can't help but tell the
1: truth, you know? Yeah, some of us are, are uh, attracted to speaking the truth. It's one of those things. It's almost like a bad habit in this day and age. You know, sometimes I tweet late at night and I'm like, hmm, I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably shouldn't have said that. But you can't help it sometimes. So, um, well, we met just recently in Phoenix at that American, what was it called? American Fest? I don't know. I found um, out about it the day before my friend Siako was going there. and Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, it turns out yeah, I my friend, yeah. yeah, America Fest, Eric Metaxas, we met uh, at a dinner with him and uh, it was cool. What I mean, but you know, I don't really identify with the right or the left at this point. And and in particular now with this sort of uh, and not to go, you know, this is a Christmas show, so let's keep it light, but um, yeah, yeah, you let's know, with the the, the Israel Palestine thing, I I'm I'm more politically homeless than ever before because, uh, yeah, I just don't agree with either side on everything. I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you, you you called Chappelle a hardcore leftist. I'm not sure that fits him either. I think, I think we don't comfortably fit in any one category. A lot of us. Well, sure. I mean, artists are interesting people. I mean, the artists tend to be just more liberal,
2: I think as a whole, simply because They tend to be more expressive, more emotional. They tend to be open to new ideas. And so, you know, sometimes that's good. That's like progressivism, like Christian, the Christian progressivism of the early 19th century gave us a lot of good things that we take for granted, like, uh, like the popular election of senators, that's something that we all take for granted that we think is a good thing now, but it also, uh, you know gave us a lot of uh, bad things you know gave us the uh, you know that a lot of people hate woodrow wilson for who he is but, but he was a christian progressive you know people forget that uh, you know and so uh so uh and then again as christians too we are not supposed to be driven by our politics our our politics are supposed to be driven by our faith so I find that in my same situation, you know, like I'm running for Congress and a lot of uh, other conservative Christians I run into around here in LA are very pro-Israel, like do not question Israel. And I'm like, I, um, why should we not question Israel? Are they not human beings? I mean, whether or not they're God's <laughs> right. chosen people or whether God has a certain, vision for them in the eschaton uh that's he may not be talking specifically about benjamin netanyahu's public policy when it comes to hamas and and palestinian children you know so right. yeah we we have to hold people accountable because like one of the issues and, and Vivek is, viveka ramaswamy's one of the only like guys who's talking about it on the right is uh is the fact that um, Israel gives a lot of arms over to Azerbaijan, who are using those arms to clean out Artsakh, which is a, p- a region there uh, that's uh, uh, was populated by Armenians. Unfortunately, it was cleaned out. and And the bottom line for the whole thing is for Israel is oil. They were getting oil from Azerbaijan. But Armenia is a Christian nation. So, you know, so I see all these Christians standing for Israel, who are giving money to a Muslim nation to clean out the first Christian nation, to ethnically cleanse the first Christian nation. Yeah, it gets complicated, so that's why we always have to just come back to let our art, our faith, and every bit about us just seek out the truth. Just be like, seeker to the truth, no matter how ugly it is.
1: Yeah, it's wild, like, what you're saying about the right and their take on Israel. And how you know when you say ceasefire now you get called an anti semite just like when you uh, questioned big pharma in the COVID era uh, you got called a grandma killer it's the same playbook but disappointingly it's uh, from the team that was getting called grandma killer before and now they're using <laughs> that same tactic uh, back back at us those those of us that are concerned with with peace over there that are calling for peace and ceasefire. You bring up Vivek Ramaswamy, and he was just on Jimmy Dore's show. Shout out again to Jimmy Dore, who, uh, who's uh, been very vocal about calling for ceasefire himself. But Vivek refused to, uh, to really speak the truth about that, that what's going on in uh, Israel-Palestine. So, uh, you know, I, I do commend Vivek for speaking the truth about a lot of things, calling January 6th. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not an inside job, but um, entrapment. He, he sort of said that, I think, directly. And and he's certainly speaking uh, more truthfully than a lot of candidates, but, he, but it only goes so far. There's a, still a glass ceiling with that guy.
2: Yeah, there definitely is a glass ceiling with him, and you see that, you know, he's got to still, I guess he still has people that he has to please. The nice position that i put myself in like running for Congress is I, I i don't have to please anybody i don't expect to win i'm an underdog republican in a re- race that has uh that where republicans are the underdog but i just wanted to run because i i just i i, I needed to speak the truth I've, I've i've always been that guy that's just always like you know again i've been the kid at the table like how come
1: dad is like drinking too little too heavy at your christmas is, is that is that what jesus man. did you know you're calling your dad out for being a drunk man come <laughs> on yeah well i did, i didn't myself my <laughs> my dad wasn't at home most christmas
2: well was oh, he no. i don't know you know have you, you forgiven know, got your dad old... though have you oh yeah him? you know of course of course but that's okay, you know good. that's the beauty of the faith walk is that you learned that you know that your, your early father is a broken man, and he's just there
1: to point you to your heavenly Father. Yeah, and, we're all broken and then, to some degree. Yeah, well, exactly. So, yeah, g- give me your take, and I'll and I'll want to go in on your congressional run, and also what you're going to do with your sketch show to uh, defeat yeah. cancel culture with comedy. But first, I want to spend a little more time on America Fest because. One thing I noticed about it was this big fancy event with a huge stage. Charlie Kirk, you know, my friend Eric Metaxas was on the main yeah. stage too. And, and he did it, had a wonderful speech. But there is certainly a cult of personality rising up on that side of things. And with that comes ego. And with ego comes, you know, pride. And with pride comes the fall. I mean... Um, And we already spoke on the fact that, you know, sort of the principles of how we were sort of smeared in the COVID days are are reversed now. And that side that we we thought we could trust with at least upholding the principles of free speech seems to be flagging somewhat. Are you um, sort of disillusioned, I would say, I guess, by the, the right wing to some degree? And did you notice... sort of cult of personality rising up i mean i definitely see a cult of personal personality
2: that will rise up but that's just that's just humanity you see that everywhere you go because i i wasn't always a right wing a radical right wing christian conservative and when i was younger i was uh you know a godless uh, leftist heathen i will lib, i will lib, i will uh i want to characterize say myself
1: liberal <laughs> say what i i actually yeah, yeah. said it sorry yeah <laughs> you said no i was a libtard
2: i, I was a Me self-described too. libtard i was like oh the military is so evil you know no uh, you know and uh yeah. you know um capitalism is awful we just need to just like take all the money and spread it out
1: um, you smoked a lot of pot too, probably, right?
2: No, I never did. That was the I thing. I, that's the that's the one thing I never did is I never smoked any pot because my mom was on me all the time. Don't smoke that stuff.
1: I had asthma too, so I would have it would have given me what a kind bad of asthma. Did you attack. Turn out to be you were a bad liberal if you didn't smoke a ton. Of I pot.
2: was. You know, I you know I was a bad liberal because the entire time I was I was super pro life. Mm-hmm. I just never got into the pro-choice thing at all, and people would tell me, "Well, that's because you were just Catholic." Oh, that's because you're Hispanic, and uh, it wasn't. It was. It's because I I did come from a big family. I had a, 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 a four older sisters, and I helped raise their kids, you know. And I was an uncle, and I would I would see the whole like cycle of life, you know, from when they were, you know, from when they announced they were pregnant to seeing the baby jump in their tummies to you know to uh, to change you know changing my sisters would have okay you need to learn how to change diapers so that you can do this for your wife one day you know and uh you know i'm playing with the kids and i i just so i was never ever able even when i was super feminist i was never able to be like abortion is the solution to any woman's problems I always I was I, in fact I was I was a pro-life a pro-life feminist and then I noticed that my other like pro-life feminist friends they would always get bullied by the pro-choice feminists who acted like big surly guys and would be like shut up we need our sex give us our birth control
1: oops condom broke so,
2: give me an abortion
1: all right. So, what? What? Tell me about your red pill journey then. So, you went from that to being this like uh, right wing Christian guy who still has comedy chops, but you're you're basically red pilled. Um, what happened?
2: Well, uh, part of it was like um, I think I got married. That
1: was the first thing that happened. You think you think. Are you sure about that? I think I don't know. I gotta be I married. I got married. Sorry. I don't know. You know what and that you is? You didn't even you smoke pot and you're like, I'm confused, did we? Did I we think I that? got
2: married, but you know what? No, you know what that is? It's you can tell I'm a I'm a recovering beta male. I use too many <laughs> totally. too many verb modifiers. <laughs> See, a real man just says, I got married. I got say, married. I think I, uh, I think I feel that maybe I got married. <laughs> yeah, I still I talk sort of that believe way.
1: Believe maybe I think maybe. Was... <laughs> no, so I got married,
2: right? And my wife wanted me to be um, more of a man. And then my and then we started having kids. And then I noticed my kids didn't want to cuddle me like they wanted to cuddle their mom. And, um, I was actually, I was literally confused by that because up to that point I was, I was pretty gender queer,
1: you know, in the fact that I didn't see it. You didn't, you didn't clock the reason for that. I mean, they get their milk from the mama. I mean, it's not that hard of an equation.
2: No, I, you know, it's when, Hey, when you're in that thought system and you're thinking men and women are just the same and gender is just a, Gender is just uh, a social construction. Oh, I'll tell you, actually, actually the root moment was this. I was hanging around with a couple of uh, bisexual uh, uh, friends of mine, right? And they, they, they would be... Or
1: were you clothed?
2: I I was clothed. Okay, good. I had tried to date one, but I found out then that she was dating the other, the other friend. So yeah, so they were naked. I was clothed. But, um, but they, uh, uh, they would be described as turf turfs nowadays, trans exclusionary radical feminists, because I said to them, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. And, uh, they snapped around and said, uh, well, if you're a woman, when was the last time you had your period? and i went oh my goodness and i was such a feminist i felt like oh I, I they're right absolutely right i mean how could i claim to have that sacred experience of femininity and then claim to oh man i can't steal that so so then i was just kind of like in gender la la land for a long while and i met my wife and she was kind of like gender like a bit of a gender bender herself she's a chess uh player and a chess coach and you know, so she, She's the all man. of her best friends are guys. Yeah, she lives in a man's world. She was, she had old, three older brothers. You know, so. All right, hold we, on.
1: Uh, I got to take a break, and we got to get to this "you were a woman" thing before. Uh after these words on TNT.
0: TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travelers from terrorists,
1: hijackers, or violent drunks, or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air Marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and
3: protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern
1: border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and
0: doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. The lights is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes,
3: yes. And I'll begin.
0: Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: And Merry Christmas. We're back with Emilio Martinez, who just dropped the bombshell that he used to be a woman, or at least identified as one. I did not see that coming. I met him at a... Hardcore Republican rally, America Fest out here in Phoenix. It's not that hardcore, just people who think certain things. Some of those things I agree with, some of those things I don't. But anyway, Emilio, that was a bombshell I did not see coming. So you you legit used to identify as a woman and you just told me as well that your your brother is trans and identifies as a woman and you no longer do. Tell me about that journey. I mean, where was the confusion? You called yourself a beta, but that goes beyond beta, I would say. Why do you think you thought you were a woman? I thought I was a woman because I did not want to be a man.
2: Because I, I hated men. I did not like what men, what the qualities of men were. I, w- I would uh, have like allergic reactions to alpha males. A guy like Donald Trump, in fact, you know, Donald Trump. I would see Donald Trump on the TV and I'd be like, "Oh, I hate that guy. I absolutely hate that guy. He's like the opposite of what it means to be a human being." And um, and uh, you know, I, I was just reacting to my dad. Really, I was reacting to my dad's weaknesses as a man. You know, because he was an alpha male. He would go. He was a he was a lawyer. He was a businessman. He was an uh, entrepreneur. He would go do things like he went out one time and did a deal that created uh, a reservoir that's right in the middle of South Park, right? You know, where South Park, you know, the South Park, the series, that's an actual area of Colorado. Well, there's a reservoir up there and he's the guy that just had an idea one day and created this reservoir uh, or got this reservoir, uh, created and, uh, but he also, you know, was had multiple affairs, was never around, I had a half-brother. So, and just, you know, he broke my mother's heart. And uh, and uh, so I grew up in a home where I was constantly being told, don't be like your father, don't be like your father, don't be like your father. And well, I just, you know, as a kid, you kind of take that stuff literally. <laughs> like, okay, I won't be like dad. Dad's a man. And uh, frankly, I think that's what happened with my brother, too you know and uh, it was hard it was hard to be a man in that family system but to be a woman was to be a saint you Mm. know it it was like we believed that it, it, it it was like we believed that men were bad people who had all the good things of life and women were good people who only experienced the bad things of life and so that fit right into the feminist values that were also in culture at the same time. So I tapped into those, you know, and so I, I quickly became a feminist and I, you know, I, I, uh, when I thought of getting married, I thought, well, that's going to be equal, equal, you know, it's going to be 50 50. I'm not going to tell her what to do. Definitely anything from the patriarchy is bad. And, uh, You know, and then I wondered why I never got any dates because women are not attracted to that. (laughs) I learned that the hard way. And then I became angry because women would, I'd be like, why don't you see that I'm the guy that's supporting you? Why don't you love me? You know? And they're like, okay, creeper, just like back (laughs) off. Right no seriously it was bad and then mm-hmm. and then uh and then uh but even when i went to film school i i i i was so frustrated but because i was a comedian i did a comedy uh, expression of it I, I i i my short film that i did in film school was called a size 13 and it was about a guy who wore a dress and he just talked about how that's who he was, and at the end of the film, the the plot twist was he f- thought that he had found the girl that understood him, but they show up at their blind date and they're wearing the same dress, so
1: he punches <laughs> well, him. So I, I mean, now that you've overcome that, um, and now you no longer identify as a woman, you identify as a man, you've been red-pilled. I'm assuming some of the beta tendencies still inflict you, but have, I mean, has your viewpoint changed in terms of how you perceive what happened to you being more the fault of your mother than your father? Because she um, corrupted your mind against your father and and took her own uh, relationship turmoil and then turned you against your father, right? No, I mean, I I look at, I look at it now. I'm a mature human being now,
2: you know, or I should say I'm a mature adult who's had lots of therapy and, you know, and, and, and learned to love. And, and also, you know, I've come to Christ and developed uh, a relationship with, you know, uh, God. So I look at my parents as just, uh, a continuation of the Adam and Eve story, you know, well, except right. Adam and Eve, you know, they showed up, uh, they messed up their kids somehow. And they didn't even have a bad childhood; they had a really good childhood. So suddenly, my
1: parents but, weren't so bad. Emilio, though, what I'm saying is, and and not that you shouldn't forgive. Of course, you need to forgive yeah, yeah. and and overcome. I'm not saying to like cast your mom as the demon, but you have to understand that that you know this happens a lot. You know, I mean, I can even relate to your story in terms of my own perception of women are the saints and men are evil, and society perpetuates that idea as well. And a woman will give a man hell and the man will freak out, be triggered, have to leave. And then the woman will turn the ch- uh, children against the, the father. And that's doing an insane amount of damage to the kids. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't forgive your mother. But do you still perceive her in this saintly light? Or do you see her as uh, being equally part of the problem, if not maybe more in your case?
2: I would say she's equally part of the problem, but having had children in a marriage and, you know, uh, myself, I would say the onus still was on my dad's shoulders, because if I don't believe that, then I won't put the onus on my own shoulders. So, so for instance, my daughter, you know, um, because I raised her kind of liberal, uh, even though I was very pro-life, my wife was very pro-choice. And, uh, I didn't come to Christ until, you know, my kids were a little older, like the, uh, you know, they, they were definitely, uh, beyond, uh, like five and six years old. Right. So they, you know, pretty well formed. So, um, my daughter actually walked away from an abortion, right. But that was a really tough battle. Uh, but my, but it kind of came down to, uh, my wife was going to support her in getting the abortion, right? Because she was like, look, I'm, you know, honey, you know, I'm pro-choice. Your dad's not going to stand for it, but I'm going to have to, you know, but uh, you know, we'll probably get divorced, but I'm going to support you. But I took a very firm stance, right? And I said, if you get this abortion, we're done. Right? And really? she was like, how could you do that to your child? And I'm like, well, how could you do that to your child? You know, and I, I just left it at that. And so, so you wouldn't you forgive know,
1: your daughter if she had done that? I would have forgiven her. I just But then why I would you say we're I, done? Why would you say we're done? Because I needed to draw
2: a line to show her that there would be consequences for her actions. And that's 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 why I say a man and a father has to put that onus on himself that he can't just go. Well, you know, my mom did this, and now my wife is doing this. I I have to stand up. It's not
1: about blaming and being a victim, but it's about acknowledging the reality of the situation, which oftentimes does not get acknowledged in our society. We do live in a man-hating society. And so often men, uh, you know, are, are just treated so unfairly in, in the family unit. I mean, we're, it's, it's famous for that. It, you know, family court is, you know, a disaster for men. Uh, you know, it's not an equal footing, you know? So, and I don't know. I just think if you do take the Adam and Eve story, it's, it's the woman that succumbed to Satan basically, and and ate the apple, uh, the knowledge uh, of good and evil, Um, and so if you extrapolate that out into our own lives, we have to uh, put a lot of the responsibility on women as well, which we tend not to do, and we're not supposed to say, we're supposed to say, deadbeat dads, you know, (laughs) it's like, there's no deadbeat mom, usually you know it's not right so I right think but that that, we that... need i think what we need is a, an evening out of of the parental landscape to to sort of more reflect what is really going on and 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 women certainly are not saints in this regard nor are men but right right it's unfair in the way these tales get uh retold uh
2: yes yes you 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 I mean, definitely every, at the end of the day, every adult and every person has the responsibility for their own actions, right. And their own, um, consequences. But, uh, honestly, I have come to the point, especially having gone through all the travails in my own marriage and with my own uh, parenting and my own parenting fails that no, I actually believe I've become a true patriarchist where it's like the father needs to be the leader. And if the wife is falling behind, something happened. Something happened. It it may just be as simple as he chose poorly, or he did not find a way to lift her up or something. Because at one point, my wife and I, we were actually separated. And again, this was my fault. This is actually my my testimony of how I came to Christ. I was was, uh, 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 abusive with her and she left. Now, why was I abusive? It was partially because of that gender queerness and that feminism that said that when she hit, I could hit back. Mm. And, and if she was yelling at me, I could hit her.
1: Mm.
2: And because men and women are the same. No, exactly. See, that's why I say you got to start drawing the line somewhere. And it wasn't until I was in court-ordered anger therapy, right, that uh, my, my therapist, who was a Christian, right, and I had, just, I had just come to Christ through realizing the evil that I had perpetrated against somebody that I had said that I loved. And I, um, and I, I said, I, w- I was talking to him about how, you know, this power dynamic, and he goes, Emilio, I don't know a man worth his salt that can't take a woman down. I went, what? Did did the violence guy just tell me that I have like the, that I, that I am, could physically take any woman down I wanted to? And it was like a, it was like a huge paradigm shift. And I thought, well, wait, 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 if that's true, then I should be very restrained with any kind of physical action towards a
1: woman, any woman. But for you to not understand that innately, because you know, that shouldn't be confusing to any man, I don't think. Um, and again, that's not to justify a woman abusing her husband either. Uh, You walk away from that situation. You don't, you don't strike back, but where did that spirit come from that led you to believe you were on equal par with a woman? Do you think it came from your father or it came from your mother?
2: um i th- let's see that's okay let me think about that where did that spirit came from that thought i was on equal par with the. it came from society actually
1: no come on it, mother or father um <laughs> all right i'll blame my mom that I'll, throw, I'll
2: throw my mom under the bus no no, no yeah yeah it totally Thank you. I, I, all right <laughs> well i'm trying to just imagine my my mom I'm trying to like i'm trying to go back because my mom was kind of old school but yet she was like a teacher and she got her master's degree and she was like she all my sisters had to go get their college degrees like i have a sister who's a doctor and a sister who's a lawyer you know and um
1: and, and if you didn't get a college degree you were a loser you know but the narrative and- that men are evil that did that come from your father or your mother um no all right all right all right i'll say it came from my mother so it's the spirit of the woman inside of you you know yeah Uh, i mean and again i'm not being a woman hater i'm just trying to no 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 just trying to equally assess the situation nobody's a saint here and people could liberate themselves um a lot easier if they sort of were able to um equally allocate the blame in these situations um and and like your story exposes it's dangerous it's very dangerous to misunderstand your own nature to that degree right yeah absolutely it's very dangerous
2: to misunderstand who you are in that situation yeah you know and that's actually Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I was uh, wanting to talk about today is uh, that I'm running not just for Congress as a Republican, but I'm running as a Christian nationalist. Because it is that same issue where it's like, if you understand what power you have as a Christian and you are not using it, then you are failing in your duty.
1: Does that make sense? So, if you don't understand what what power do you think that you have as a Christian? The power you have as a Christian is the power the truth of the Holy Spirit.
2: kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with that truth, is that uh, by having the truth the, 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 the strength of the Christian is the fact that they have been convicted by the truth of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said he would send the Spirit for, to convict and to convince you, right? And then to comfort you, right? So the truth, it's just like what he said, that the truth shall set you free. But first you have to fill that double sword of the truth. And by filling that, you will then be free.
1: All right. I think I understand. Right, I so want to hear more a more real-world example of what that means in a sort of less religious and metaphysical version right after these words on TNT.
0: With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you are still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Joe Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio.
3: She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to healthcare, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves.
1: Gracias, gracias.
3: Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today.
0: Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his
1: Technicolor Dreamcast. You just gotta love the leather sleeves on my fancy jean jacket. Welcome back to Joseph Arthur's Technicolor Dreamcast. I'm here with Emilio Martinez, who is extraordinarily open and uh, we're having a pretty interesting conversation by my standards. And he was about to give us a real-world example of what, you know the power that he uh, wields in being a Christian. Uh, Emilio, take it away. What's the real-world example? Okay, well, first off,
2: uh, remember I told you I was abusive to my wife, right? And then the power of the Holy Spirit came through me to convict me of the evil that I had done to my wife, to somebody that I loved. And so then I actually turned myself in to the court and and I, I pled guilty, right? And they threw the book at me. So that was years and years ago. So uh, now fast forward to about a year ago, I'm at an event, it was actually an anti-COVID or anti-vax event, right? Here in Los Angeles. And the event is, uh, it was for Halloween and, uh, The event is wrapping up, they've got like inside, they've got a a, um, a Halloween costume contest going on, but outside on the back patio, there's this tent uh, where uh, that had been opened up during COVID where a lot of people, it was a real meeting place for anti-vaxxers and uh, people of the sort. So, uh, So the only people that were left under the tent were me, a couple of friends, and uh, this new guy that we met, his name was Alex, right? So um, Alex and I and my two friends, we're having a conversation, and after a few minutes, you know, like I said, everybody's gone, contest is over, uh, or it's wrapping up, and uh, we say, uh, okay, see you later, Alex, and he goes outside of the tent and into the night. Well, uh, as my friends and I are gathering our things to go, he pops up on the other side of the tent, behind us yelling and screaming he's holding on to his side and he's got his cell phone up in the air asking for help and i'm thinking is this some kind of like halloween prank and i go up to him and realize no he's been stabbed right and he starts yelling she stabbed me she stabbed me and there's a woman across the street yelling and screaming right so this is where the power of the holy spirit kicks in first i say i've got this wisdom this woman is having some kind of mental crisis. She's uh, otherwise why she, why would she have stabbed this guy? Um, and I'd say only something that is going to take her down without me putting hands on her because I don't I, remember I said a guy worth assault could take a woman down, so I know if I'm going to touch her, I may hurt her. Or she may have a knife. She may hurt me, but I'm, I may hurt, I may kill her if she has a knife, right? So, um, so I go, what's going to take her down is a voice of authority because I'm thinking of the Jesus, you know, speaking with a voice of authority and how people fell down. And I did. I said, I started yelling, get down, get down right now, get down. She dropped to the sidewalk, right? And she stays huddled down there for a while. And she pops her head up. She realizes that I'm not the police. She picks up and runs into a parking uh, uh, structure, but she leaves her purse. So I run, I grab her purse. I follow her into the parking structure, right? And she's about ready to run out the other side into the dark of the night. She turns around, though, and realizes that I have her purse, right? And she uh, yells back, Who are you? all right, this is the moment where the Holy Spirit, really, where I had the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in a flash of a moment, I th- all the ideas of what I could tell her popped up in front of me. I could say, I'm Emilio. And then she's like, Emilio. Like, what's that mean? Or I could say, I'm the police. And that's false. So that I know that that'll be like a problem in court. But what comes out of me, and this is the power. I said, I'm your conscience. <laughs> That's pretty I interesting. Like, I was like, did that just come out of my mouth? I'm telling you, she froze, That's stumbled wild. back, stumbled back into the parking garage, fell on her knees and started crying. Mm. Then a guy who witnessed the stabbing comes running into the parking garage uh, uh, next to us, and he goes, "What?" Uh, he goes, uh, what, "What? What? What happened? Why did you? Why did you stab? Why did you stab that man?" And she goes, "I was molested as a child, right?" Mm. So if you've been in Gascon's smash and grab uh, kingdom over here, you know that everybody, every criminal, gets off on a mental health uh diversion uh um, um um conviction which means they get some therapy and they get sent back out to the streets right because every turns out every criminal has some kind of childhood trauma in their past. So
1: So Amelia, so, let's take it back to you though or is there more to the story? Yeah.
2: Yeah well there's more to the story. Because right. uh I'll just cut to the end of the chase, right? So when they come yeah, and they pick a, her up yeah. She, you know, they take her off. Uh, and, uh, two months later, three months later, we're in court because I had gotten the murder. I'm uh, not the word, the, the weapon, because I had gotten the weapon, because I had, I would her, I had stopped her. And, um, also, uh, because she had also at one point uttered that she had done it, she was going to be done in court. So in Gascon's, again, in Gascon's, everybody gets off with a slap on their hand justice system. She got two years of prison. Mm-hmm. As she was leaving the courtroom, right, she asked if she could speak. And her, her, uh, her uh, uh, public defender said, Your, Your Honor, she wants to speak. I've told her not to. But she got up in front of the court and she apologized. She apologized to her victim that only happened because she got convicted see that word in our in our law conviction and that word the conviction of the holy spirit it's not a different concept it's the same concept Yeah, you're getting
1: you're getting held to the truth yeah it corrects right? us yeah yeah, it corrects us. But, but your us story she... is. Let's go back to your story, man, because it's really interesting. And and the fact that you you know have this faith and, and I mean, are, do you feel that you're healed through your faith? And uh, um, how has that operated in your life? Oh, healed through my faith. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've been healed through my
2: faith, but it's also a process. I mean god can turn things over in a night like he he put my marriage together back back together in fact during that year that we were separated um, my wife had a boyfriend uh, she had moved on you know i I was a horrible husband so i thought it was over but i kept hearing god tell me if you just have faith and believe that i can put it together i'll put it back together and sure enough after a year we got back together and i kept meeting people this was the interesting thing i kept meeting Christians who would tell me their testimony of how they got their marriages back together. I'd never met people before that had told me that. And suddenly God, it was like God was putting those people in my life. Mm. Like I said, he'll not only gave me the conviction, he's a paraclete. He gives you the comfort to keep going, keep going. And uh, yeah, but once I got back together with my wife, I called up one of my mentors and I said, Hey, Great news, I got back. And he's like, Oh yeah, so all your problems are solved, right, Emilio? <laughs> it's like, no, no, Jer- Jerry, I know that this is just the start. And it is. It's just like I'm it just meant that I was back in the struggle with my wife. And then I had a second chance. I still have like daily struggles with my wife. But because I have Christ, I'm constantly pulling him into the equation mm. where he's, you know. Where he's the one that's
1: really carrying the load
2: in my marriage he's
1: working through you so yeah, he's tell me why you're running me. for congress and doing the comedy sketch show it seems to me that either one of those would be a full-time thing i mean what why don't you focus on one or the other that's what my daughter keeps telling me <laughs> you're you're not you're not that crazy I said, uh,
2: "Let's." I don't see. think I'm crazy at all,
1: dude. What? I don't think I'm crazy at all. No, I think <laughs> no, I'm no, pretty she's... sane.
2: You're pretty sane. So exactly. So I'm just. Uh, that's why she keeps. I mean, it. I have crazy paintings me crazy. behind
1: me, and I got a haircut that goes like this. No,
2: no, no, no. But you.
1: I got my head together.
2: But she. Uh, what did I say? No, that. Um... No. Wh- why I decided to run was uh, okay. So well, last year. I was uh, going out and I was networking for my uh, comedy show, hashtag fake new show. In fact, I went to AmFest last year, right? Because so much of what's happening in this space, in this uh, is, uh, you know, is the art and the uh, politics are very much tied together. And you can see that in things like Daily Wire, or Babylon B, or, you know, even the community. Oh, you, you mentioned Siaka. He's an actor. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, he actually ran for office. He's one of the reasons that I ran for office. So I said, so I started getting involved in politics and I met these guys. They're called the L.A. Hispanic Republican Club. And they took me to the convention and I saw how uh, the rhinos at the convention, specifically there's this group called the Log Cabin Republicans.
1: And uh, are you familiar with who they are? no i know the log cabin aa group in la but i don't know the log cabin oh, yeah. republicans <laughs> log cabin
2: republicans are basically like gay republicans so they're uh, real soft on all the social issues
1: they don't care they just care about the... a gay group of republicans just i
2: know on. it's like i mean it's why would like... you say log in a cabin <laughs> that doesn't sound good <laughs> it's, <laughs> okay. uh,
1: it's so, the simulation revealing itself yet again anyway keep going
2: so the Lockdown Republicans have basically co-opted the California G O P. They've poured millions of dollars in the GOP and they uh and they I went to the convention and they pulled a lot of tricks. They pulled like Robert Rules of Orders. They they pulled those kind of tricks in order to get official designation. And I was like, what's going on here? And then and then we had this whole platform uh fight, you know, because they the Log Cabin Republicans wanted to revise the platform to take out any mentions of gay marriage and also to water down all the abortion stuff, right, and to simplify. And they were doing it in the name of like, it just needs to be a simpler thing. And the rhinos who are love the gay Republicans, they they hate the Christian conservatives. They're like, please stop talking about abortion. That's what's losing us elections. Please stop talking about gay marriage. That's what's losing us elections. Not realizing that California is the state that passed Prop 8 and and gay marriage is still prohibited according to the California Constitution. And it's really just their incompetence that they can't even they can't even pass anti-tax legislation here anymore. They just they've they've lost the plot. So I said, um, you know what? It was—it was actually kind of Eric, what Eric Metaxas is talking about. Is the church needs to stand up, but the GOP here in California has just kind of—they've written off the church. But then, plot twist: these, this whole thing with the—you uh, know—the—the uh, the, uh, trans and the kids in the schools, inflamed here in California, and a bunch of like uh, populist movements rose up. And they're starting to really put some energy into the Republican Party, into the conservative and conservative social issues. So and there's like one church, especially down in Chino Hills, uh, Chino Hills, uh, which is uh, uh, it's Chino Hills Calvary Chapel. They helped to get people uh, elected onto the Chino Hills School Board. And now Ron Bonta and Gavin Newsom have put a target on their backs. So. Eric Metaxas is absolutely right. When the church stands up, things get done. Evil gets starts put on notice. And then, you know, and then, like I said, you know, like uh, Gavin Newsom and Ron Bonta actually have like they now their claws have now come out against these people. Okay but, but this church is Emilio, holding strong.
1: Focus on your your personal story on why you're running for Congress. You're going all over the place. I can't I know I do go like, I know. You know what it too is? Much. Give, give
2: I'm me a big. Pi- me. Yeah, the problem is I'm a picture big picture guy. I know I know. Okay. But if if but, I don't come from focus, my personal experience, focus, focus right, from So here your it comes down to experience.
1: This. Why are you running for So here for it came Congress down here it came just down to this focusing on comedy. Right. So here it came down to this
2: moment in my district where Adam shift is my guy. There are 15, 15 candidates running. There's 13, 13 Democrats, uh, Stay and focused two focused on
1: you, bro. Stay focused yes. on you. That's what everybody rails says
2: rails again. Here was the deal. Here was the deal. I had nobody to vote for, for Congress. Okay. okay. I had so nobody to, to vote for Congress.
1: All right. Well, and we I only said, have two minutes left, and I really want to get to um, also just a real quickly. Like, what was it like? What did you learn from Bob Odenkirk doing doing? How to write a sketch. With him. How to write a sketch. How to write a sketch. Yeah. All right. Needs to have. And a have turn. you already made sketches for your new show coming up? I mean, are they political? Yeah. Actually, what nature? we do. Re- Babylon B. Well. What we do is, I, we don't do sketches.
2: So much of uh, of comedy right now in uh, in the conservative space is is just sketches. It's the five. It's the in. It's the Saturday night. It's the SNL five minutes. One joke told over and over again for five minutes. What makes really great comedy is when you take a sketch kind of thing and and spin it out over like a long form, like the Herald. That's what the Herald Improv format is. So that's what I did. I took the Herald format. I said, we're going to make fun of uh, the fake news. So we take real news headlines. We turn them into basically a half-hour sketchcom where we uh, uh, where we lay it
1: out. That's well, it. we look forward that, to yeah, it and we'll lore.tv. have you back on once, once it comes on, Emilio. Tell people where <laughs> to find you real quick.
2: Alright. Uh, you'll be able to find me on lore.tv and that'll be hashtag fake news show and also What the Church, and that'll be available uh, starting
1: next month.
2: So right, come gotta check go, that out. Got to go, my brother.
1: Great talking All right, to you, man. You. That was very interesting. Thank you, Emilio <laughs> Martinez, for coming on the show. Keep listening, Thank everybody. You. We'll be right back with more on TNT.